Welcome to Strictly Jojo, a podcast dedicated to Jojo's bizarre adventure. My name is Courtney. This is episode 83, and we're discussing our favorite Jojo openings and endings. I don't think we'll have any spoilers in this episode, but maybe some of the OPs or EDs will have little spoiler moments. Maybe. But you're all Jojo fans. Hopefully you've watched all of these. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know why you're here. You know what? I, I will say we'll probably reference part six. So if for some reason you haven't seen Stone Ocean and you're diving into this discussion episode, uh, beware, there may be a couple of part six references or spoilers peppered throughout this discussion. But before we get into that, we do have a couple of things um, to talk about in the beginning here. Uh, I know you have some JoJo news, but we also have some podcasting news. Mm -hmm. So we were recently invited back onto Otaku Host Club to guest spot on their discussion about the best shows from 2022, the best anime from 2022. I guess to clarify, we each had our own top five lists for 2022, and we had some commonalities, which was interesting. Uh, and I won't say it, but there might be some talk of JoJo amongst those lists. There so might be. <laughs> for all of you Strictly JoJo listeners out there, definitely give it a listen. Also, Jeff, Dan, and Amelia are, are a great bunch, uh, especially Dan and his, his Dangents, I think, as they're called. <laughs> and they're also JoJo fans. So, yeah, I'm sure that you will enjoy um, the possible discussions that came up around JoJo. So don't miss it. It should be out now over at Otaku Host Club. And again, we were talking about the best anime from 2022. We also have a quick reminder once again about our schedule because it's been a little while since we've returned to our traditional bi-weekly schedule. So as you guys may have noticed between this episode and the previous one, which ended Stone Ocean, two weeks have gone by. So yes, we have returned to bi-weekly. We're going to stick with bi-weekly through uh, our next review series, which is going to be continuing Stardust Crusaders. So just wanted to share that reminder that uh, you'll have to look forward to Strictly JoJo every other week. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure someday in the future when Steel Ball Run gets announced for anime, we'll of course return to our weekly format. Um, but yeah, until then, we have Stardust Crusaders to look forward to. Maybe even part four, Diamond is Unbreakable. So yeah, a lot of great things ahead for the podcast. Now on to JoJo news, which coincidentally does have to do with JoJo openings. Uh, this one comes from CG World Japan, and they did an interview with Hamikaze Doga, who is the studio behind a lot of, I think all of the CGI JoJo openings and this article in particular talks about how they created the first OP for Stone Ocean and if you're not familiar with Kamikaze Doga they they focus mostly on CGI animation within anime I think their most notable works at least for me uh, are they worked on Batman Ninja as well as one of the shorts in Star Wars Visions. The first short, actually, which I think is called The Duel, is actually one of my favorite ones. But for this article, it's, of course, it's presented in Japanese, although there is a link, I think, at the top of the page where you can translate it to English. 
Uh, but the English is a little rough. Yeah, because it's be ready for that. <laughs> it just uses, I think, Google to translate it. But I think you can get the gist of what they're saying. But it interviews the staff from Kamikaze Doga and how they sort of explored concepts and created storyboards in designing the first OP for Stone Ocean, um, including like how they used stone freeze threads to kind of interweave and connect the various scenes and their decision behind making very or using very vivid color palettes as well as dropping those easter eggs for eagle-eyed jojo fans which i think we talked about in one of our stone ocean review episodes when the dop debuted um but i think most readers will probably get a kick out of the images that this article shows uh including these pictures of grotesquely morphed jojo characters that were designed in order to get a specific pose in the OP. Uh, it's kind of similar to, I think there's a meme of a behind the scenes shot of a CGI Caesar from the part two OP where his arm is all messed up. Um, this time around, you have Jolene with her arm like hyperextended and then a shot too of Hermes with her leg with a really long kick. Yeah, I'm looking at these and they're they're so funny. They do definitely remind me of the Caesar elbow shot. Um, but it's kind of cool that they can manipulate the CG models in a way that looks good to us, mm -hmm. the end user or the end viewer, but behind the scenes looks fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll share a link to this article in the Discord. So if you are not already a member, the link to that is in the show notes. All right, on to our favorite JoJo openings and endings. We're going to do this in top three list. At least I, I numbered mine, like three, I two, one. Too. Okay, cool. So we're on the same page. So it's going to be top three lists for each category. We'll start with OPs and then we'll move into EDs um, and we'll share them in reverse order. And I'm sure there's going to be some overlap, not only because there's only a handful of OPs and EDs to choose from, but because I feel like we kind of gravitate towards a lot of the same songs. And a lot of these, actually all of these, I think every JoJo song is on your Spotify playlist. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever mentioned this before, but I have a separate Spotify playlist specifically for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, it's called Go Ahead, Mr. Joestar. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess we can also post a link to this in the Discord if anyone wants to... Uh, give that playlist a listen uh it, it contains a lot of my favorite soundtracks from jojo from all the parts at least up until part five because as of this recording they haven't released the soundtrack for part six yet uh also has some fan creations of jojo songs and remixes that i think are pretty cool as well as of course the, the openings and endings so again that's Go ahead, Mr. Joestar on Spotify. <laughs> but I guess I'll go ahead and start off if you don't mind. Let's We're do it, yeah. We're going to start off with the JoJo openings that we hold, the three JoJo openings that we hold near and dear to our hearts. And at number three, I have Sonochino Sadame by Hiroaki or Tami Tominaga from part one, Phantom Blood. I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you, well, maybe it's because 
part one is generally not most people's favorite part, but I have to separate the part from the opening and ending. Yeah. And despite, like you said, this song only appearing or this opening only appearing for nine episodes, I think it's still an absolute powerhouse in the world of JoJo openings. Uh, I mean, people love to sing the last line, the Sono Chino Sadame, and then hold the JoJo as long as they can. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yet the, the song itself is some a song that just heralds the epic showdown between two forces of destiny. So great way to open up this series in anime form. And of course, you can't have the CGI style of opening if it weren't for this first one um, because now it's it's sort of become prominent for most parts in the series save for parts four and five yeah david production took a major risk starting off a new anime series i mean not new like there's been other adaptations but starting off like their new anime series with a cg opening when cg has traditionally not been well received in anime mm-hmm. but they did it great. Like it's that's the only CG I can stomach is, or accept or really even enjoy is any CG tied to a JoJo opening. Yeah, I mean, when I first saw this, I, I'll admit I thought the characters looked kind of wonky <laughs> because it reminded me of I don't know, like like I keep thinking of like the Final Fantasy uh CGI intros from like the PlayStation 1. <laughs> like the way that those characters move Kind of reminds me of how the characters in these CGI JoJo openings move. But I think I've just come to accept it as just being part of JoJo. Like there are so many outrageous and outlandish things that uh, they just grow near and dear to your heart, I guess. Um, But I think, you know, besides all the CGI stuff uh, with this opening, I love the intro of it where it actually opens up with the manga panels of the parts in reverse order at least this is kind of spoilers for stone ocean but the parts that take place within this iteration of the jojo universe and then kind of subsequently seeing the parts of the part one manga come to life in the midst of the action of this opening um i will say that like out of all of the jojo openings i think this one is kind of the most spoilery since it almost it's like a spark notes version of part one from beginning to end. Yeah, I could see that. I'm like re replaying the OP in my head. And yeah, you're right. Like it it ends with like the climactic, one of the climactic fights and whatnot. Like it's it's obviously going to follow Jonathan and Dio because that's what the part follows. Mm-hmm. But what they're doing in the OP is pretty spoilery. And just to talk about the song itself, I love that it has this really classic 80s or nostalgic feel to it it feels like the the, like anime songs from that era that have almost become anthems now like i'm thinking specifically with uh pokemon for us the the uh english pokemon theme song or even a cruel angel's thesis from neon genesis evangelion uh because this song has like the synthesizers and the brass trumpets, and then the, the JoJo chanting in the background, plus that elongated JoJo at the very end that leaves its mark. I just love that because 
Jojo's Bizarre Adventure was written by Araki originally in the, the 80s, that this song evokes a lot of that and even just evokes that feel of anime from that time period. You know, hearing you talk through this opening and the visuals, I feel like we'd be doing ourselves a disservice if we tried to be light about spoilers. We established on this podcast long ago that anything that's happened in the JoJo mm-hmm. anime is fair game to talk about. We're we're going we're approaching this assuming that you finished all of JoJo and that would include at this point Stone Ocean. Um, or at least if you're caught up on the anime side of things. So I think we're okay. I think we're okay to be pretty decently spoilery about things. We're not going to mm. try to be like, I don't know, in your face about it, but do know that we probably won't give warnings now that I've said this because <laughs> it's just hard. Like so I'm, I'm yeah. thinking about it and I'm like, it's hard to not talk about it. Like how you just mentioned how spoilery this first OP is for part one or the the, the OP for part one. Because I want to say like you see Jonathan and Dio go up against each other mm-hmm. and that's a major plot point from that story. So I think we're just going to open it up to spoilers. Um, if for some reason you have not caught up to Stone Ocean um, or you're still working your way through it, we might talk about that as well. So just be ready for that. And before I dive into my list of OPs or start with my number three, I, I want to invite everybody to um to like take a second to listen in your head to these ops because when i was going back and listening to these ops um there's like some compilation videos on youtube of all of them in preparation for this discussion i noticed a theme among many of them and they all have or most of them have incredible openings in the first few seconds so as Mm. we go through these think about the first sounds you hear of every song Think about how those songs start off and how like iconic they are. They're all incredibly distinct. So Sonochino Sadame, it starts off with like those trumpets loud in your face and then like it dives into the song. Like I can just I hear it in my head when I think about that OP. I was kinda laughing to myself as you were explaining that because there's a a YouTube video out there. Oh my god, this fucking video. (laughs) (laughs) Where uh, every JoJo opening but they are extremely short. I think it only goes up to the last opening for part four because I think when the video was made was right before Golden Wind premiered. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe we can share this on the, the Discord. It'll give you a taste of those openings, the, those intros. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's a great way to experience them and, and realize how epic they sound. But then the song just gets cut off really quickly <laughs> i know you you love this video it's like definitely a jojo meme video so yeah we'll, we'll share it in the discord that way everyone can can experience what you like to randomly put on the tv sometimes so first up on my list of favorite jojo ops is number three part two bloody stream mm. i love bloody stream it's so good the first thing that I have to call out about it is the opening. The first few seconds of Bloody Stream, you have those trumpets. Like those fucking <laughs> yeah. trumpets just scream Joseph Joestar. They're like announcing that Joseph Joestar is here, motherfuckers. Like it is just so good. Yeah, I'll say that they're so obnoxious in the way they sound, but that works going from Jonathan to Joseph. Yeah. Because it, it kind of, it, it prepares you for 
the degeneracy that is about to descend upon the Joestar lineage. And that's how I feel about the entire OP. Like, it is flashy. It is bright. It is loud. And it is the perfect ju juxtaposition to Jonathan's OP. Because that one has more of like a brooding feel to it. And there are some slow parts of Bloody Stream. Like right after the trumpets have their intro, it goes into like a slower um, verse for the singer Coda. But then it builds and it builds and it builds until you get to the chorus where those trumpets come back in. And they're like blaring behind him, like singing mm -hmm. his, his shit. And it's, it's so good. Plus, again, the visuals with them being so colorful and fun, it's like... It gives you a taste, like going from Sonochino Sadame to Bloody Stream gives you a taste of how like versatile or varied JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is, um, that it, it doesn't, it's not afraid to go from extremes because that's the whole point of JoJo is everything is an extreme. <laughs> like you've got crazy characters paired up with each other that just work so well. And seeing something like this after experiencing part one is just... It's just the best. Yeah, there's a unique sense of vibrancy in part two's OP where, as I said before, uh, Sonochino Sadame just feels more more epic. This one is just more kind of like go with the flow sort of fun. And I think it, it perfectly encapsulates the, it starts to encapsulate the more bizarre aspect of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It has some really beautiful moments too. Like I love the moment that, where they show Lisa Lisa and like her hair is flowing and you can kind of see the pain on her face. Um, when you first watch the show and you don't know her backstory, you just kind of think like, oh, she's a beautiful woman and they're just, you know, inserting that. But really as the story goes on, you realize the pain on her face, there's a reason for it. And that's because mm -hmm. she had to part ways with Joseph so long ago. It's because she had to seek revenge for her, her dead husband. And you, it, it like changes the meaning of the OP entirely. I would say Bloody Stream is nowhere near as spoilery as the uh, the OP for part one. Yeah. But you do have that fucking blood bubble that no one <laughs> yeah. realized was a huge spoiler until you watch the Caesar episode. And it's like, what the fuck? You go back and you see it. You're like, is that the fucking blood bubble? Like, I didn't even think twice about that bubble in the, for the first several times I watched the OP. But after that episode, I can't unsee it. Yeah, I'm watching the OP right now on mute, and I just got to the blood bubble scene. It's <laughs> it's a very blink and you'll miss it moment, but yeah, it's kind of like, oh, that was in your face the whole time. And of course, this OP has the the Caesar pose, where the his, elbow, <laughs> yeah, his arms way up in the air. If if you find the behind the scenes shot of it, we'll we'll share a screenshot of it. I know we've shared this before during our part two review series, but it's worth sharing again since you mentioned the wonky moments from the stone ocean opening i think my favorite part of this op is you know after the blood bubble joseph oh yeah he he puts on caesar's headband yeah that's a spoiler we didn't really think about yeah um, and then he screams out into the night but it's timed with uh, coda also screaming out a certain word in the song yeah i love that part too like the way they time that is just so good because that's kind of like coda's final note for the song or one of the final notes um and yeah seeing joseph like scream at the same time i thought was like such a brilliant choice on on i was gonna say david production's part but i feel like it's also um I'm like the music producer yeah like there's i'm sure there's a lot of people that that had an opinion on that but either way that final choice is great my number two favorite opening in JoJo, 
comes from part three, Stardust Crusaders. I feel like we're, we're just going in order right now uh, <laughs> because that song is, or that opening is Stand Proud by Jin Hashimoto. <laughs> I am extremely surprised this is only number two and not number one. Now I'm really curious to know what your number one is. Mm, okay. I would say like this was a close tie with number one just because part three is one of my favorite parts of JoJo. Although I, I always kind of teeter with that between other parts, but uh, Stand Proud, I think it's it's it was deserving of one of the top three spots on my list. Um, kind of similar with part one's OP. It has that feeling of like an 80s hair metal rock anthem that pays homage, of course, to the time period in which Stardust Crusaders takes place and also... Um, in the 80s when Araki was writing this. Uh, I think with part three being the most popular and recognizable part of JoJo for, I think, the community over, or like the world over of anime, it needed to open with a song that could very much stand proud. <laughs> and it's also, a, a, the, the, the song has this sound that also just feels very Jotaro. Like, this would be the music that he listens to on his Sony Walkman, since that's what was <laughs> popular in the 80s. So, almost like, yeah, like Joseph and Part 2's OP, how those kind of seem synonymous here with it delving into a more grungier feel that kind of gets you prepared for the rebellious phase of Jotaro Kujo. Yeah, Stan Prouda has got to be one of the most popular jojo openings among the community um i one of my favorite jojo meme videos it's not even really a meme video it's just a jojo video that's out there is the video of daisuke ono who is jotaro's voice actor mm -hmm. singing stand proud in jotaro's voice it's so good so i think the context behind it if i remember correctly was that daisuke ono and then I'm blanking on the name for um, Rohan's voice actor. We're invited to like some some podcast or radio station or something. And I think this was for Daisuke Ono's birthday. And so they wanted him to sing uh, Stand Proud in Jotaro's voice. So we'll share a link to that video as well in the Discord because I think that one's a great one to watch. Takahiro Sakurai. Yes. I believe. Thank you. Uh, wasn't it his podcast or radio show? Oh, it show? might have been. That's right. He yeah, did, he, he invited have one. him on to sing. It was, I guess was egging him on as <laughs> he was singing the song. Uh, yeah, I think I also sang sing this at a, a karaoke room during one of the anime conventions that we went to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and people were just so hyped about it. Uh, <laughs> they all. They all stood up as I was singing, like, Stand Proud. Um, but, yeah, I just, I love this song. And in terms of visuals, it's more of the same CG that we've been used to uh, in JoJo. But I think particularly with this opening, a lot of the scenes here have become iconic in their own rights, along with Part 1 OP, I'll say, that many of the callbacks in Stone Ocean's second OP have been falling down draw from this opening uh, and like these parts that I, I'm about to bring up aren't part of it but like you have that recognition of the Joestar lineage at the beginning starting with Jonathan to Joseph and then to Jotaro uh, I think is a great way for this to recognize what's come before it and then kind of usher in the quote-unquote new generation or 
I guess the, the Generation X of the Joestar lineage. And then it culminates with Jotaro's iconic pointing pose um, as they go through the lineage. So That is one of the things I missed uh, starting with part four was those callbacks to previous JoJo parts. I know Josuke and Jorno's stories are kind of one off a little bit separate from the Joestar lineage, but they are still Joestars. Mm -hmm. So even though I, you know, those are great OPs, there's a part of me that still wishes that David Rection or whoever would have kept some references to the previous JoJo parts. But I guess it's nice because I guess this technically can be a callback where it goes through this lineage um, that you see in the... I guess you'd see in both OPs for Stone Ocean. Because the first one, Stone Stone Ocean, uh, towards the end of that opening, you have the, the star that's being made and you have shots of previous JoJo parts. I think some of the artifacts are shown. Yeah. Um, so recognizing the lineage there, that's probably something that they carried over from this part three opening, especially because that was the first CGI opening since part three. So yeah. they wanted to kind of create that continuity um and then one of my favorite things is from this op is you have a shot of the stardust crusaders as they're walking towards like the the vanishing point at the or in the background and each step they take they have a different vista or setting um, as they're trotting across the across the globe for their stardust crusade and then i guess my other favorite shot is at the end after the singer Jin Hashimoto says "Stand proud," uh, Star Platinum starts punching your screen, <laughs> and you get the flurry of the flurry of aura punches, which have become a meme in itself, but also an icon in itself in JoJo. So a lot of like in-your-face stuff that happens in this OP, coupled with its with its rock anthem, that you know I just love to come back to this on my playlist uh, every time I see it. The number two OP on my list. Is it the part three second opening? What? No, part three second. Oh, because yeah, we're, we're kind of going in order here, but I, I doubt it. No, <laughs> that's actually probably one. If I had to like, you know, list the, the bottom of my list, that one would probably be towards the bottom of my list. I do like Chase, though, from part four. Um, but what's number two on my list comes from part five, the first OP, Fighting Gold. Wow, okay. I fucking love it. And again, it's a Coda song. <laughs> His two songs that he's done for JoJo OPs are, are phenomenal. I think that Fighting Gold, so of of all of the JoJo OPs, for some reason I feel like Fighting Gold is the most perfect fit for its respective part. It's a great fit for part five. It's a great fit for Giorno. The song has a much more serious and mature t- mature tone to it which again is a great fit for like Jorno's personality. And I think my favorite sound from the song is when the strings like crescendo. I know you tell me it's not a crescendo. Is it a crescendo? Like when the when the strings are playing during the chorus and they kind of have like that crescendo over and over again while Coda's singing, it's so fucking good. Oh. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of like a a little bit of a glissando where the notes are getting higher and higher okay i have no idea even though i played the french horn back in high school <laughs> i don't remember music terminology so whatever it is the strings are doing where they're like increasing they're building their notes up. yeah like that is so good it's it just makes the song makes the chorus 
so much more epic. I love it. So next time everyone listens to Fighting Gold, tune into the strings that are playing during the chorus. Well, funny enough, Fighting Gold was my number one song. Oh my God, my, okay. My <laughs> number one opening for JoJo. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I, I also agree that it's a masterfully composed song because you have like those powerful chords in the beginning with the da na na Again, the openings to the openings are so fucking good. Yeah. And then you have those those frantic strings that kind of pulsate in the background of this song. And to add to that, you have Coda's very raspy vocals, but I think the raspiness of his voice just adds a touch more personality to these lyrics that that speak of I was looking up a translation. They speak of opposing even God in order to fight through whatever fate throws your way. Yeah, sounds like Jorno. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, just going along with that, and with the the part four OPs, this was a deviation from the CGI JoJo openings of old, but I think it's become it's become renowned in its own right because it takes on this darker tone, especially when jumping from part four to part five. But even just in the overall scope of the series, looking at all of the openings. Uh, which is fitting because, of course, Giorno is descended from Dio and Golden Wind just deals with darker themes around its premise of like being part of a criminal syndicate. I love the espionage feel to the song and the visuals. Um, I love that the visuals give off that James Bond vibe because I'm a, I'm a James Bond fan. My favorite part is when we see Mista's feet as he runs and then it switches to his upper body when he like swings around and points his gun towards the camera. It's so fucking cool. It's so well done. I'm like, this shit, whoever put this together clearly loves spy shit because it's mm -hmm. just, it's oozing it and it's so fucking good. Obviously, it's not a spy type of story, but I think an espionage type of feel, the intensity behind the visuals and the music still fits so well with the fucking mafia vibes of part five. Yeah, I think gold, <laughs> fighting gold, I was going to say golden wind, but <laughs> uh, fighting gold, this feels the most like watching the opening to a James Bond film with its subtle and then its minimalist but like powerful visuals. You mentioned Mista, some of my favorites. This is mostly just like a shout out to Confam, but the Abakio <laughs> Hourglass. Yeah, that fucking part. <laughs> um, I also love the the, the the Giorno coat of arms at the end uh, with the Heavis face and then some of the like artifacts related to Giorno. Uh, in the montage of Bucci Gang, as they're attacking with their stands. The shot where like Bucciarti just tips his chin. And falls backwards, right? He kind of like, kinda, he like, yeah. and, like descends backwards. Like he's looking over his shoulder at the camera and then just kind of like falls back. It's so good. Making way for sticky fingers to come in through yeah, the zipper. It looks yeah. so cool. I'm like, what the fuck? This thing is so amazing. Yeah. And I, I noticed this too while um, I was watching or reviewing these openings is that there's so many motifs of chains, which made me think, like, I don't really remember chains in part five, but I was reading stuff online, especially through Reddit, where I think chains are being used because the, the characters in part five, especially Bucerati, are sort of bound by the chains of fate. So just not only that, I feel like it's also breaking free of, like, the mafia code the gang ah, star yeah. code, like because mm -hmm. they're going against their their big leader. They're going against Diavolo. Yeah, so like things like that, just the stylistic choices, the design, 
all of that, it makes this OP feel so avant-garde and so different from all the other JoJo openings. That it it makes Golden Wind feel even more unique because of its its JoJo protagonist, its premise, and now because of its its opening song and visuals. Well, since you shared your number one, which happened to be an overlap with my number two, I'll dive into my number one favorite JoJo opening. This one comes from part four. It is the first OP, Crazy Noisy Bizarre uh-huh. Town. I This is probably like an <laughs> not an unpopular one, but an uncommon one to have as like your favorite JoJo opening. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I, I love it. I love it so much. I, I think the song is absolutely addicting. Again, fantastic opening to the opening song because you have those trumpets coming in and then you have um, the main Joe bros. You've got Josuke, Okuyasu, uh, Koichi, and Jotaro standing on that platform as if they're performing for a bunch of people and there's like lights everywhere. It's such a cool like way to introduce you to the world of Moriocho, which is considered the slice of life Jojo mm-hmm. part. Like it's despite it being, I guess, a more subdued part in its setting because you're just sticking to like one little town and the happenings and going goings on of the town it's such a splashy fun op and as the song continues even after that that immediate opening it just becomes more and more hype and i love like just how the trumpets evoke that i don't know if big band feel is the right term for it but just the the trumpets like blaring throughout the entire like first part of the song just sucks you right in also feels very boy like big band plus boy band yeah especially because <laughs> i think the singers they were called the do the do yeah the do. <laughs> the diamond is unbreakable band i think was the reason for du um the do wong gang yeah which is it's fitting because this also evokes the time period of when part four takes place, which is 1999, Bizarre Summer. Uh, so, yeah, I love the sound. It's, it's weird because I guess song-wise, JoJo openings are all over the place, starting with part one all the way to part four here. It's like you have epic, then you have crazy, then you have grungy, then you have like apocalyptic with uh, Sonochino Kyoku, End of the World, I think was that one. And then here, it's like happy-go-lucky. And I know that I said Bloody Stream was flashy, bright, and loud, but I feel like Crazy Noisy Bizarre Town takes those things to a whole nother level, which is appropriate because Josuke is Joseph's son. (laughs) I feel like it just works so well. Like He's just as eccentric as his father can be. So it's a great fit for him. Um, It's a great match for just like the weird things that happen in Morio. And again, I'm glad that they didn't shy away from having a splashy OP for a part that is more contained to a single town. Um, I, I, just, I, I think my favorite part of the OP has to be when I think the chorus kicks in and then you've got each of the characters kind of like zooming across the screen, doing little dance moves, like zooming in at angles and stuff. Then you've got Okuyasu doing like a fist pump yeah. as he's like squatting. I don't know why. I <laughs> just really favorite. love that part. That's my favorite part as well. I also really like how um, before that, when they show... Josuke, Okuyasu, and Koichi kind of standing with their stands. Koichi's stand evolves with him throughout the show. Not evolves with him, but changes, and then that change is reflected in the OP. 
Yeah, I'm looking at the first iteration of the opening where Koichi's just standing by himself and it kind of looks he kind of looks stupid. <laughs> it always then, bothered me like but when I was first watching part 4, I'm like, why isn't he in the middle of the screen? Why mm-hmm. is he off center? It's bothering me. <laughs> but then yeah, as you said, this OP evolves as we see Koichi gain his acquire his stand echoes and it goes through the different acts and his his, his hair changes as well. Remember, he has like the the flat top, and then he goes into like Super Saiyan mode with oh, Act, yeah. <laughs> Act Three. Uh, so that's another great thing with with JoJo openings. I don't think we've touched upon this, but I think we as a JoJo community know that the openings can change from time to time, or like from visuals to even the the classic sound effect ops that happen towards the end of a part. Uh, so yeah. The, this part four opening is no different. What do you think, though, about the remix for Crazy Noise Bizarre Town that just happened that one episode? Or sorry, it happened in two episodes. It was the Yukako arc. Why don't I remember this? I you mean, don't. it's been a while since we watched part four. I'm surprised because like, part four, and I was like your favorite part. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I distinctly remember this because... You know, we, we can't skip JoJo opening, so we would just watch them through. And then I happened to hear this remix of Crazy Noisy Bizarre Town, and it just caught me off guard. And it was played as an OP? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah you're and, right. Episodes 2 through 9, EDM arrangement, arranged mm-hmm. version. Yeah. Why well, don't I remember that? That's weird. Well, now I'll keep that top of mind when we do our, our part four review series. But all in all, this is one of those songs that comes on to like it'll play on your Spotify playlist, and I I'll get upset if you skip it. I like I have to hear it every single time because you've got two versions on there. I think you've got the TV size, and then you've got the full version, and both of them I have to hear them. We can never skip them. And then there's the Earth, Wind, and Fire version. <laughs> oh a, yeah, <laughs> it's a secret track on my playlist. But you know, for those of you who are curious, you'll just have to find out. Um, you can search for it on YouTube. And now we move on to our favorite endings in JoJo. And as with the openings, we'll start with our number three and work our way towards the top. So my number three favorite ending in JoJo is from part three, which is Walk Like an Egyptian by The Bangles. This one's also on my list, but I have this one at the number two spot of my list. Oh, okay. Uh, This is mostly because I'm a sucker for 80s songs. Uh, As am I. I love yeah. 80s music. It's so good. And I mean, this one talks about walking like an Egyptian. This part takes place in Egypt, so why not use it? I think the song also makes a casual mention of of the Japanese. Yeah, so if you listen further into the song, which is not, it, it cuts off um, with the ED before this part of the song, but they do mention the Japanese, the Chinese, so I'm like, well, hey, they, they're Japanese, they're in Japan, then they go to China, so it works great. But yeah, I mean, the fact that this is an 80s song, and we know that David Production likes to keep it um, within the time period, it's great. Like, it's just, it's such a perfect fit. And visuals-wise, I would say this is one of the more visually striking endings in JoJo, where it has sort of one psychedelic image flowing after another that in incorporates artifacts or i think it incorporates uh the the stand arrow 
course, it incorporates the, the different Jobros or the Stardust Crusaders themselves, and then the tarot cards or stands that are associated with each of them. But I think my favorite image is the most eye-catching, no pun intended, at the end, where it's the silhouettes of the Crusaders walking towards their destination inside what kind of looks like to be a kind of vibrantly colored version of the the eye of Horus that appears in like Egyptian mythology. And doesn't it blink towards the end? It closes its eye at the end, which is really freaky, but <laughs> I just, I love the imagery throughout this ending. I love it too. And it's, it's not too far off from many other Jojo EDs in which you don't have a lot of movement of the actual characters. It's they move maybe for like a second and then they become still images. But the difference here compared to say like the um the first ED for part five, where it's literally just like key visual images of um the Joe Bros and Jorno and mm-hmm. they just kind of pan across the screen. Like there's not much to it. Here it's like you still get those that still imagery, but there's so much more to it all the colors, the bit of motion that they infuse, the poses that they're showing, and even the art style almost seems just slightly different from the main art style to fit that, I don't know if it's like an Egyptian feel that they're going for, but that that kind of aesthetic that they're establishing in that ED. Yeah, I would say like (laughs) the art style is kind of like a JoJo screensaver. Yeah. (laughs) How how different it feels. Um, But yeah, it's quite trippy it's a quite trippy opening to watch and that's why i mean ending what did i say opening well (laughs) uh yeah quite a trippy ending to watch um as you complete the first half of stardust crusaders the number three ed on my list comes from part four it's i want you by savage garden (laughs) oh my god the first time this came on i was like no fucking way they use this song it's so good i this one has a lot of nostalgia for me because I remember hearing this song on the radio all the time in the 90s and when I was growing up. Like anytime my mom would drive us somewhere, the station that she liked to listen to, for some reason, always played this fucking song. And they loved playing Savage Garden in, in general. And of course, within our confam group, uh, shout out to Edwin, we always say chicken cherry chicken cola. Chicken cherry cola. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of meaning behind this song in particular. So when I found out that it was a JoJo song, it's officially a JoJo reference, I was absolutely ecstatic. And the aesthetic of the the ending, again, it's it's similar to the ending of uh, the first ending of part three, where there's still images of the characters with some minimal movement by Josuke, but it's not just them, like it's not like a, a, a still background with them penning across the screen again, like that one ED from part five. Here you have that camera constantly panning forward throughout the ED, and then. Was it Josuke who kind of like holds the house or something? Yeah, yeah I'm like, that pose is so good for, for Josuke. It doesn't make any fucking sense why he's holding a house. And also, can you imagine trying to hold an object with your hands like that? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do it right now. And I'm like, I can barely get my hands in the correct position. But somehow he manages to make it happen. But I love how we get that transition from going forward with the camera through a street of Morio and then up to giant Josuke holding the house into the house we get references of rohan and then it comes out the other side of the house down to the pier um i think we see like old joseph at some point and then it goes up to the lighthouse the lighthouse then becomes a kaleidoscope for josuke 
and then it zooms out or maybe in. I don't I can't remember. And then it just shows the J for Jojo. It's it's wild. It's psychedelic and it fits the 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 music um, that you're you're getting with. I want you because that kind of has a bit of a psychedelic feel to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just it's a great combination. I enjoy watching it every time. Yeah. The, the one shot throughout uh, Moriocho is probably the most unique thing about this ending um that and i think josuke at one point mouths the words to the song as well yeah that's really cool i like, love that part yeah, it was like i need you i want you yeah whatever although i i had never heard of this savage garden song before i when you told me that i'm like there's no fucking way no, you i know grew the... up in a generation <laughs> not too long after me okay we're only a few years apart there's no way you've never heard the song no, by savage garden i've heard the other song, I Knew I Loved You on the radio. That one was also lot. very popular, yeah. Yeah, but this one, the, the chicken chicola, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I can't recall. But yet, as soon as I heard this in JoJo, um, obviously I had to add it to the anime playlist and to the JoJo playlist because it, it is definitely that great 90s vibe. Well, you shared your number two, which was Walk Like an Egyptian. Yep. And so... I guess I'll go ahead and share my number two, which is also from part three because it's the second OP, and that's Last Train Home by the Pat Metheny Group. I feel like similar to my number one choice for OP, Crazy Noisy Bizarre Town, I feel like Last Train Home is maybe like one of the lesser recognized EDs or ones that people would would gravitate towards as their favorites, but maybe Mm -hmm. I'm wrong. No, I I feel like it's underappreciated. Because, yeah, you have Walk Like an Egyptian, which is a great way to, to it evokes, I'll put it this way, Walk Like an Egyptian evoked the fun of Stardust Crusaders. Last Train Home evokes the crippling depression of it. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a, it is a, a very sentimental ending, but I think it serves as like the perfect capstone for the second half of Stardust Crusaders because obviously shit starts to get crazy in the later half as the crusaders approach egypt and they have to ready up in the battle against dio and that's not without losing some friends along the way is this the only op and ed that doesn't have lyrics i know you get like some guy chiming in at some point singing some notes but like there's no actual lyrics <laughs> right some no-, no yeah he <laughs> he has like a he has some vocals but yeah there are no lyrics to it so yeah this is strictly Strictly, strictly, strictly instrumentals. But I think that's all you need for this. Um, It allows you to really reflect on the journey that the Crusaders have gone through. And visuals wise, you can kind of see this with you have these moody shots of the Crusaders as they're in the various settings that they've traveled to. They're even on board a goddamn train. So that also evokes the the last train home. They never are actually on a train. Oh, shit. I think you're right. Right? Like, I'm thinking back. I'm like, wait, but I don't think they're on a train at any point. Maybe just the ED. (laughs) Yeah, maybe this is like what Jotaro wished the last train home would have looked like (laughs) with all of his his Jobros aboard it. But obviously, that's not how it plays out. But to talk about, like, the the music aspect of this ending, um, you have this, the, the percussive chugging of the train in the background of the song which i think is a perfect metaphor for the the globetrotting journey that the crusaders have gone through and 
part three. But then it's mixed in with the emotional pangs of, I think it's an electric sitar that's playing, which I think fits in for a part that takes place internationally as they're traveling the globe. But also just its melody is one that is just overshadowed with feelings of both nostalgia and also melancholy, which is why I, I love that they've ended or they ended part three with a very reflective choice of song. I guess since you already shared your number two, I'll let you go first for this one with the the number one ending in your eyes of, of JoJo. Okay. I'm down. Let's do it. So my number one favorite ending from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure comes from not only part one, not only part two, but part six as well. Okay. I had a feeling <laughs> we would share this answer because That's I'm what I pretty thought too. <laughs> sure we have the same answer. But what is it? It's Roundabout. Roundabout by Yes. It's, <laughs> it is so, so good. I mean, all of these are so good, but this one is like really fucking good. And the reason that this one stands out among all the EDs and maybe even the OPs as well is they have never, I guess they being maybe David Production or whoever, you know, figures out all the music and stuff. They have never been able to use an ED as amazingly as they have with Roundabout. First off, again, it's appeared in three parts and its last appearance in part six holds such incredible meaning to the JoJo franz- franchise. Secondly, the friends. The friends. Like friends. <laughs> uh, secondly, the slow burn when they like slowly introduce the beginning of the song right as the episode is ending and then delay bringing in the visuals, it sends chills down my spine. Like David Production finds just the right moment to start the song in each episode of parts one and two, and they change it up on top of that, you know, which part they're actually using from the song because it's a pretty fucking long song. So the way that they're, the part in which that they're using and how they use it all gets um, changed up from time to time. So it shows how much thought David Production puts into this ED, how much care they put into this ED. Now on the flip side, the visuals are the same between parts one and two. You just have changes of like key visuals of characters. So it's really nothing crazy. Um, honestly, it's it might be one of the most basic OPs in JoJo alongside Freaking You from part five and maybe even Distant Dreamer from part six, but the song cannot be beat. Yeah, I mean, could there really be any other JoJo ending in the number one spot? I, I think not. I, Roundabout, I know, holds probably holds a special place in Araki's heart because this is purported to be one of the songs that he listened to when he wrote the original manga. Although I don't think there really is any meaning in the song lyrics itself. I think that's what the band yes had had stated it's like a sort of nonsense song but maybe that just fits with jojo's bizarre adventure because it's just a bunch of nonsense <laughs> itself um <laughs> but yeah like you said i love that the entirety of the song seems to be utilized in every episode in part one and two maybe if you string them together it actually completes the song um but yeah they they play it up they play like the intense parts of it, like the the solo towards the middle um, during a really climactic part. I, I'm thinking of like part two when they were using that kind of 
agitated sol- guitar solo from Roundabout. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just so versatile in the way that it's used. And I think it just, the erratic nature of the song, as I said, it, it kind of fits with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure itself. And yeah, I think it even extends beyond the show uh, because... I'm pretty sure I mentioned this once in one of our earlier episodes of Strictly JoJo that the official YouTube channel for Yes had to temporarily disable their comments on the the song video for Roundabout because they were just flooded with JoJo fans making JoJo references. I'm pretty sure that happens to every song yeah. from an EP. <laughs> <laughs> Those poor artists are probably like, what the fuck is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Yeah, but I guess you can't deny that this song has kind of bridged the gap between the, the young weebs of our generation with like Gen X. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, And then on top of that, I, I feel like this song also brought about some of the first memes out of the JoJo anime, especially... The to be continued, right? We talked about like the guitar that plays in the beginning, or like plays towards the end of an episode, and then it leads to the to be continued arrow coming in. But then that has become a meme in itself whenever it's put over like viral videos that are about to show, like some unfortunate event happening. And I think even Family Guy referenced this, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. But no, I love that too. Like. The first major like downbeat, is that what you would call it? Like as soon as that downbeat hits, that's when the arrow shows up and the colors change. Yeah. Something I, like I, that. I don't yeah. know what I you know, I'm, I'm doing my best to describe these musical terms. Um, but like once like the, the beat drops. <laughs> yeah, I think about. that's a better way to put it. When the beat drops. <laughs> there you go. Um, and that arrow just flies across the str- the screen. I'm like, damn, whoever was responsible for how to use Roundabout in Jodo's Bizarre Adventure is an absolute genius. Like I said before, the utilization of this song, not even just outside of the actual ED showing credits, is phenomenal. It is just, it's amazing. I can't think of any other anime that uses a song, like, like an ED song or an OP song in this way. I'm sure there are some that um that you know could easily go up against roundabout but just thinking off the top of my head i cannot think of anything and it it just that to me makes roundabout so impressive as an ed it's like the departure of jojo but even <laughs> then like would you say departure was utilized in the way that roundabout is like actually trickling into the episodes or you know oh, yeah. signaling mm-hmm. a very pivotal moment towards well i guess it's an op so i was gonna say a pivotal moment of the end of the show wouldn't really make sense mm-hmm. but you know you know what i mean like it's yeah it signals more than just the episode is ending it signals other things it evokes emotion when it starts to slowly chime in like you've got parts in part one and two where something traumatic happens and that's how they leave you on the episode. But they have to add insult to injury by then introducing Roundabout nice and slow to like add the emphasis on like the situation that that character is going through. Yeah, that's true. I don't even think I've seen a song so effectively utilized in Western media to the, to the same extent that JoJo has used Roundabout. Yeah. Especially, I know we talked about this in our previous episode, uh, talking about the last or the finale to Stone Ocean, but just the fact that they brought this ending back felt so full circle for the series um, in, in closing out Stone Ocean with Roundabout. I guess it was, a, it was a roundabout way 
of of <laughs> of putting a capstone on this iteration of the JoJo universe, and it just it made it so perfect in every way. So I don't know about you, but I do have one very, 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 very quick honorable mention, Ed, if I can share that. Hmm. Okay. I feel like I, I might know what it is, but oh, now I'm curious. What do you think it is? Is it the Oingo Boingo Brothers? No, fuck that. I, <laughs> no, I would consider that then my my honorable mention. I mean that one. That one's cool. That's like a very uh, a big deviation from like any other JoJo EDs <laughs> that came out of nowhere. I think they played it for like two episodes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the one with Oingo and Boingo, and then Boingo with Whole, Whole Horse. Horse. <laughs> which I think I prefer that version better yeah <laughs> that's a that is a random ass ed but no the honorable mention that i have is freaking you there's mm. nothing special about this part five ed in terms of visuals like i said it's just a static background with static images of the joe bros and Jorno just floating across the screen the gang stars floating across the screen but damn props to david production for taking a huge risk and using freaking you <laughs> i mean i know it's by joe to see so like i can see the tie-ins there and of course the time period and everything but and i think one of the members it was like jojo is one of the members of yeah Jodeci. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's tie-ins there but i still think using freaking you where he talks about being horny <laughs> like the first couple of lines is such a big risk and i love that they took it i love this song and i love that i get to hear it and know that it's a jojo reference it's great <laughs> i pulled up the ending on youtube and one of the first comments uh it says enemy stand user dies in tragic death the outro the big horn <laughs> like, just a yeah, drastic change in tone which which made this a really odd choice of music for the part five ending but whatever <laughs> you think about the second ed and that's modern crusaders yeah that has way more of a feel that matches the op both ops really um you have uh fighting gold and then the traitor one <laughs> oh yeah Uragiri, mono... mono no requiem yeah traitors, there you go <laughs> traitors traitors requiem. Requiem, yeah. um but then freaking you is like what the fuck i remember when we got to part five or when I first got to part five watching it, because the first time I watched it, I didn't watch it with you. And I was like, what the fuck? It was great. I just love those random things that happen in JoJo. And I would say freaking you being an ED is one of those random things. For anyone out there listening, if you guys want to share with us your favorite JoJo openings and endings, do reach out. We'd love to hear which ones made your list or if you share any of the same ones that we have. Again, there's not a ton of JoJo openings and endings, but each one is so unique. Each one is so iconic. Each one is so fucking good. So we'd love to recognize all of them. And the best way to do that is probably to join our Discord, but you can also email us or reach out to us on social media. I especially hope that you aren't skipping the openings or endings every time you watch or rewatch JoJo. We're not part skippers <laughs> here and we're not OP and ED skippers here. <laughs> but thank you guys as always for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this discussion episode and look forward to us diving back into Stardust Crusaders pretty soon. As always, subscribe to Strictly JoJo on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries. And tune into Strictly Anime, our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. To be 
continue. <laughs> <laughs>